Religion loves Jesus the teacher, is even okay with Jesus the prophet. Religion is not okay with Jesus the breaker of bondage, the transformer of hearts, the savior of nations. Because the real Jesus is the anointed one. He doesn't just have good teachings. He is the, the breaker of bondage. He will transform you. But you got to go after knowing him more. He's worth it. He's worth, he's worth your time. He's worth your life. And there's, there's nothing, this, this city, this nation, the nations of the world are not going to be transformed by a satisfied people. They're going to be transformed by lovesick warriors. Because if he's for us, who can be against us? If the king of the universe and all of his goodness, all of his backing, if all of heaven is for you, is standing behind you, supporting you, how, how could anything succeed against you? How could you fail? We could, we could change the world. That's not just a fun phrase. If you'll give your life to this thing, to the real thing, if you'll find the real Jesus, the one who burns with eyes of fire, if you'll get a real hunger in your belly, there is nothing that can stop you. It costs much, but it's worth the cost. It costs everything. This is the Fire Podcast. I'm going to hit some scripture. So you're welcome to turn there if you can keep up, but I'm going to go through a lot. Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 20, starting in verse 1. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell for these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread with scarcity, without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. A land which, uh, whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. So today I'm starting a series uh, that we're going to call Foundations. The last two main gatherings we uh, covered vision and laid some vision. Now we're going to get into foundational messages uh, for what it is is going to be, or what, what is going to be to be a part of fire. There are going to be foundational messages of fire, but also of Christianity. Um, and we are starting today with hearing God's voice. And I hope in this to uh, to lay out to you how we find life and fullness in His voice. Um, so let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're already here. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your authority. 
We thank you for the authority of your word. We say, Holy Spirit, come, come, come. Just take a second, breathe him in. Just breathe him in. We love you, God. We thank you for your peace, for your goodness, for your mercy. We thank you that you're with us. And God, I thank you that we can hear your voice. I thank you that every person here can hear your voice and has heard your voice. So we say, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. In Jesus' name. Awesome. Amen. So, um, I, I wanted to start here, and I actually didn't have this message as like the goal for today until today. I had, I've had thoughts for a while about teaching on God's voice, and thanks to a conversation with Vince, it actually made it really clear to me, like, this was the message for today. Um, and in that, God gave me kind of even the, I'd been aiming at a different kind of series, and I feel like God really made it clear, like, no, this is the place to start. Start these foundations, and hearing God's voice is the most foundational piece. Um, and some would think like, oh, well, would it be scripture? Would it be, you know, the gospel? Would it be other things? The, the truth is, though, um, and we'll get, in, we'll, we'll get into that, why, but the truth is you've all heard his voice, and even to come to him, you heard his voice. Um, so today we're going to talk about why, why, we need, uh, why we need his voice, how he speaks, discerning his voice, maturing and hearing, test and the testing of the word, and then everyone here will hear God's voice tonight. And not through me. Hopefully through me too. But um, So I want to give you a little bit without getting... Uh, some of you know a lot of my stories, so I don't want to you know, get into all that over again, but um, hearing God's voice has been absolutely foundational to my life and essential to who, who I am. Um, and, and our family, like people are often, they often ask questions or are curious or inspired or whatever by our family. And they're like, you guys just follow God's voice or just do whatever he says. Um, and I think that we probably have the same insecurities that everyone else has all around hearing God's voice and have had to work through that stuff. And uh, I think we're just like willing to say yes. And, and to, to test it and like we're going to step out and go after it and trust God that he's good um, but when I first met Jesus without getting into everything um, I first met him because of a prophetic word from a guy who didn't really know me at a youth camp that I was a counselor at and he basically said to me um, well I had, I had a period of three days where God basically disappeared it was like for the first time in my life, I got to experience life without the presence of God. Even though I hadn't been following God, he was always present. And it was like he pulled back his presence enough that I could experience that without him. Which was terrifying to me. It was the first time I experienced that. I don't know the theology behind that, so I'll let somebody else figure that out. Um, and in that place, somebody who didn't know me, I, I went to him and said, Hey, first confession, I'm not a believer and I'm leading at this church camp as a counselor. Second confession... Uh, God's abandoned me and <laughs> doesn't want anything to do with me. And he gave me a prophetic word. And he said, uh, he said, you, your whole life, you've always been able to, to stay in the middle and always go to God whenever you need him. And he's drawing the line in the sand and he's saying, choose all or nothing either way. And uh, that was, that was a difficult word. 
Um, I don't know that I would give that word to somebody. I mean, I think I would if God gave it to me, but um, I need it. That was a word, a word in season. It was exactly what I needed to hear. And I told God that day, I said, I'm going after you with everything I have. You're going to have to strike me dead with lightning if you don't want me. And, um, and that started a journey, which he met me uh, three days into that journey. On the third day, his presence fell on me, filled me with joy. I'm laughing, I'm crying. And I met Jesus. I uh, gave my life to him. Um, not too long after that, I ended up having this like commissioning dream, which I've mentioned, I think, before. But I had a dream where I was at the crucifixion of Jesus and I got to watch Jesus be crucified. And in the dream, I was, I was upset and I looked to heaven and cry out really dramatically three times, God, why am I here? And on the third time, he, he speaks to me audibly in the dream, says, I've, I've, uh, I want you to preach my word or take my word around the world like Paul did. And, uh, and I wake up and the presence of God is on me. And then a few months more go by and God speaks to me again. A few months more go by and God speaks to me again. I found myself like living out of this place like I wonder if he's going to speak to me again every time. And I would just wait. And then those moments would just feel amazing when God would speak to me. And uh, I didn't know, no one had taught me that you could just hear God at any point. That you could have a conversation with him. Um, you could have a real, no one had taught me about relationship. I just, I had an encounter with God. Now I'm at Ohio State trying to follow Jesus on my own and God is speaking to me every so often. That is how fire started, was God spoke to me that I was going to start something called fire uh, at Ohio State. Um, and then fast forward a little bit, you guys know the story, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, at Nuns Convent in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with Brad McCoy who was here a few weeks, uh, about a month ago. And... Um, the next day, I've shared the story before about Mary. I go, to the, I go to the gas station, walk by her. This is after being filled with the Holy Spirit when a group of people prophesied over me and said things about me that I had. There was literally no way that they knew. For 45 minutes, they told me everything about myself, everything that had happened to me, everything that was currently happening, everything God had spoken to me those few times throughout the months and, uh, or over the period of a year and a half. And, uh, and they told me what was going to happen, which we're walking in now. And uh, next day, I'm at a gas station, walk by, by this lady, Mary, and uh, she, I didn't know her name was Mary. I do now, but um, I walk past her. She's walking in her shift. It's first thing in the morning. And as I walk past her, I instantly know everything about her. And it freaked me out because when I got prayed over, no one said, you're going to get filled with the Holy Spirit. It just happened. And now the result of that wasn't speaking in tongues, which that came later. The result of that was I now know things about people. And um, so I walked past her. I know everything, all this stuff going on with her, and I chickened out. I went home, and I had a few hours before I had to drive to campus. And I could not sleep. I wanted to get some more sleep before then. And I finally said to God, okay, I'll write a letter if you'll let me sleep. And, and I wrote her a letter, a one-page detailed letter about what was happening in her life and I fell asleep I overslept my class and I think I think I overslept my class by three hours um, and so then I was thinking okay there's no way she's there but I was like okay God I'll give it the old college try I'll go and see if, if this lady is there and so I go to the gas station I walk around and uh, she's not there and so I go to leave and as I get to the door she comes out of the back, I think she's watching me on the cameras, and she says, can I help you? 
and I said the creepy phrase, no, I think I'm here to help you, uh, which I don't recommend. And um, I give her a letter, and she starts to open it, and I freak out, and I'm like, oh, no, no, just open it after your shift or something, and she keeps opening it, opens it, just starts crying. And I was like, okay, what, what's happening right now? And, and she says, Mary says, she explains the story to me. So Mary has a sister who has a daughter, and the daughter is her niece. And both the sister and the, her niece are drug addicts. And the, her sister was never really a mom to the niece. So Mary stepped in and was like a mom. And the niece overdoses on drugs and had just died a few weeks before I'm running into Mary. And at that point, uh, she, the sister, had had multiple Christians come up to her and do what I just did. And Mary was like, obviously, God, you don't love me because you're sending them to my sister, even though I was more of a mom than she was. Why don't you care about me? And then I showed up with the letter. And so Mary cries and gave her life to Jesus right then. And for me, that was one of those moments that I, I, I'll never forget. I'll never forget Mary. I pray for her every once in a while. I don't know where she's at or what she's doing. But in that moment, God became real to her because God spoke to me. And I said to God at that point, I was like, if you'll do this with me the rest of my life, I'll give my life to it. I don't need to be famous. No one needs to know who I am. But if you'll use me in this way, I'll give, I'll give anything to, be, to, be, to hear you like this. And that's what's led us to here, um, is that dedication. That, so when, when you guys hear about us being missionally minded and some of these things, like that's what that has came out of, was like that incident with Mary started all of it. And ultimately getting filled with the Holy Spirit. So, um, God speaks, and this is really important. We're going to build the foundation of God speaking. So, hearing is so foundational that, like I said, you can't even come to Jesus without hearing his voice. John 10, 24 through 30 says, So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe is so funny they're like just tell us he's like i've already told you um and you you just choose not to believe uh we've all met people like that the works that i do in my father's name bear witness about me but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep verse 27 my sheep hear my voice and i know them and they follow me i give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So he said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If you're a true believer in Jesus, and you're following him, you've heard his voice. And he knows you. You follow him, and he knows you. You've heard his voice. John 1 John 1, and we're going to do verse 1 through 3. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made. So in the beginning, the Word, the, the, the fulfillment of all of Scripture was made flesh. The whole point of Scripture was made flesh. 
and that's Jesus. And then you jump to verse 14, and it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and, he, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I, I know that you guys have all heard people teach that, you know, once we had the Bible, once the Bible was in print, once the apostles were gone, this, you know, we don't actually need to hear his voice anymore. Everything we need is in, in a book. Um, you can't have a relationship with a book. You can have a relationship with a person. And the only thing that will make that, the Bible truly come alive is knowing the author. He is relational. He's relational. We see it in, in the beginning with the Trinity even communicating together. Um, you know, and the point of creating man was he wanted to share his love. Like the whole point was relationship with you. Relationship solely through, uh, through letters, through a book would be long distance. And God is near. He, he literally lives inside of us. So hearing him is actually how we know we have a relationship with him. John 8, it says, whoever is of God hears the words of God. So if you're of God, you hear his words. The reason why you do not hear them is that you're not of God. And here, I want to point something out. So in the Bible, there's two, in the New Testament, there's two different words used for word. There is logos word and rhema word. And Logos word is, it's the um, written revelatory word of God. It's the Bible. That's the Logos. The Rhema is a personal, in the moment, spoken word of God. And so when it, in this verse, in John eight forty seven, when it says, whoever is of God hears the words of God, it's Rhema. It's not Logos. It's not talking about the scriptures. It's not whoever's of God it, recognizes the scriptures although the scriptures are important they need to be made alive to us we need revelation it's talking about whoever is of god hears the daily spoken word of god we desperately need his voice um in the opening text i read deuteronomy 8 3 and it's also matthew 4 and it's also in luke 4 man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of god Once again, in this verse, when it, says, when it says word, it's rhema. So it's literally saying, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every daily spoken word from God. Once again, we need to be in the word daily and the scriptures and reading the Bible. But that's not what this is talking about. Romans ten seventeen. So faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. Faith is relational. It's the same way with people. The more you talk to someone and get to know them, the more you're going to trust them. That's just the, that's how we're formed. That's how na- our nature is. Faith is the same way. Faith in God. The more you interact with him, the more you hear him, the more you have history with him, the more you're going to trust him. And without knowing him, we can't walk in faith. And I'd say this, the level of faith you walk in will be directly proportional to the level you hear him. When... Some of you know this story, but when, uh, a while ago, when, uh, 2021, a year, over a year ago, Sophia, I, she was a little bit younger, she was in her nap time, and I walked past her room, and I could tell something was wrong, and I went to 
the living room to check the monitor to see, and I was like, something's off. And so I went in there, and when I went in, she was having a seizure, but not only was she having a seizure, she was suffocating in her own vomit. And so if I wouldn't have gone in there, she would have died. And um, I, that's one of the most um, terrifying moments in my life, probably the most terrifying moment in my life, second only to, or not second, but equal to what happened with Aiden choking a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, um, and the fear I saw on his face and Milka doing the Heimlich on him, and thank God he was okay. Um, but it's that same kind of thing. Once she's having a seizure, I'm holding her, I'm praying, we're on the phone with, with, uh, with 911, and I'm hearing almost audibly just the voices of demons speaking to me. She's never gonna be the same, she's gonna be mentally handicapped, you've lost your daughter forever, she's not gonna make it through this, all this stuff. And, um, and I remember she came out of the seizure and then she was just like looking at me but not seeing me. It was the weirdest thing, like she just wasn't there. And I'm talking to her and she's just not present. And um, I'll never forget getting in the ambulance because this was like during COVID and all that, they would only allow me. So she had to stay back, Milk had to stay back. And, um, and I was in the ambulance and they're having me help. They're having me like hold the oxygen mask on her and do different things. And I'm praying and I just, I remember this moment. I was just like, Holy Spirit, I have to hear you. And I'm just like trying to hear God in the midst of all this chaos. And I had to settle, settle my mind for a moment in this crazy situation to hear God. And I heard the smallest whisper say, she's going to be okay. And it was that small whisper that actually got me through. It was, it, it was that one word from God that, that helped me understand, okay, this is going to be fine. And I had to hold on to that still small voice. There was another uh, last year as well. We got this, I, I received this word from two different people in one week. One was a friend in Columbus that leads a church and the other was a prophet. They both said the same thing. There's something about your season that has to do with being fed by ravens. And that's a reference to a story with Elijah where Elijah was fed by ravens. And uh, ravens would bring him food to eat daily. And uh, such a weird word. And, but what the prophet went on to say, um, he said, it's going to be a season where even if you try to do it in your own strength, it's not going to work. It's just going to be God. Like God's just going to do stuff. This was in the, in the season that God had told us we, we were supposed to buy a house and it didn't make sense. And we had a bunch of debt and all this stuff. And that, that led to a domino effect of that happening where we were fed by ravens. Our debt got paid off. We had people coming out of the woodwork. Hey, we felt like we were supposed to give you $20,000. Somebody else, we felt like we were supposed to give you $15,000. You know, and, and in the last year, um, this was at the beginning of this year, and in the last year we've received over $55,000 of just people, personally we've received that, of just people being like, hey, God told me to do this. Um, and so even in that time, I'm like looking for a job and trying all these things in my own strength. And I kept being reminded of that word, like, no, I'm supposed to be fed by ravens. And that's what God did. So I want you to hear this. His words give our pain a purpose. His words give our pain a purpose. We, hearing God and the prophetic is important because his words give us, it, it gives us the ability to walk through a lot of pain. So I'm just kind of building the, the biblical precedent real quick. I want to share one more thing with you um, before we move into how he speaks. 
Hebrews 4, 11 through 16. It says, Let us strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts, this, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So it, this, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's able to cut between what is soul and spirit, what is thoughts and intentions of the heart. So his word, part of the reason we need his word, and this is both scripture, like we need a scriptural foundation, we need to know the Bible, and we need to hear him, because it begins to cut through the mess. It cuts through the noise, it cuts through our opinions, it cuts through our emotions, and all the rest. In Hebrews 12, he speaks and, and shows us that he disciplines the, us by speaking to us. And he only disciplines those who are his. So part of being his kids is he speaks to us. He disciplines us. He corrects us. In Genesis 1 through 3, we see that his voice creates. That when he speaks something, it makes it reality. I think one of the deceptions is, is when God speaks to begin to look around to see if it's possible. Because when he speaks, he makes it possible. Or as... Bill Johnson quotes this. It's somebody else's original quote, but words become worlds. So when we, when we speak prophetically or God speaks to us, words can become worlds. He can create whatever he wants. So we're going to pray something out loud real quick. And you know, the purpose of this is not to um, just say the same thing I'm saying. The purpose of this is to actually mean it, so... Uh, just align your heart with this. We're going to pray. So however you need to pray, you can close your eyes or whatever, but just say this. Jesus, like you really mean it. Jesus, I thank you I'm your sheep. Thank you I'm yours. Thank you that I hear your voice and follow. Holy Spirit, Help. Help me hear you. Help me discern your voice. Help us discern your voice, God. Okay, so let's talk about how God speaks real quick. I'm going to go through these pretty fast because there's a, uh, a word at the end of this I feel like is important. Um, ways he speaks. So as I share these, allow him to highlight things to you on the... Holy Spirit's going to highlight certain ones that you're going to be like, oh, I have heard him like that. Like, that's how he speaks to me, or that's the primary way. Um, so pay attention to that. So he speaks through the Bible. That's a really obvious one, super important. At some point, I'll teach a whole message just on, on the Bible because it's essential. And right now, as a community, we're going through uh, the book of Ephesians. So if you want to join with us on that, we have Furnace next week. We'll be, um, we'll be continuing that. But... So he speaks through the Bible. He speaks through thoughts or a still small voice. So this is like revelation. Like um, revelation is not somebody taught me something good and I understand it. Revelation is I didn't understand something. It's almost like somebody pulled back a blanket and you can see something for the first time. Revelation, it'll pop in, into your mind and your spirit and you'll be like, oh, I, I see this now. Um, <laughs> so loud. Um, 
he speaks in an audible voice. I know that's less common, but it's definitely it definitely happens. It even happens New Testament post Jesus um, going to heaven. He speaks through imagination and visions. So Holy Spirit can use your imagination too. I know this one's hard for people a lot to align with, but it's super important because he does it a lot. If the enemy can use your imagination, if you can randomly have crazy thoughts, and I, I showed this at the ministry school and everyone looked at me like I was crazy, and then afterwards admitted that they had had that too. But um, if you've ever been driving and had the thought, I should drive in oncoming traffic, or had a vision or a dream of murdering somebody or a crazy thing or something crazy sexual, um, that's the enemy using your imagination. That's the enemy speaking to you through that. So if the enemy can do that, the demonic can do that, how much more can the Holy Spirit? Um, he, he loves to use our imagination. He loves to give us, give us visions and, uh, and dreams in the night and all those sorts of things. So dreams is one of the ones as well. He speaks through dreams. He speaks through impressions or knowings. So sometimes like you're not hearing thoughts in your head. You just all of a sudden know something about someone or a situation or what he wants to say to somebody. Um, an impression it, it may not be that you know that you know that you know but you have this like impression that something is going on you might be praying for somebody and you're like hey is there something going on with your like back right here um, God can highlight things also so you might be like driving down the road and something's really a sign is really standing out to you and it might be an invitation for you to ask God like hey what, what are you trying to speak to me um, all of this comes back to intimacy. Uh, his voice is just an invitation for us to seek him more. So he's going to show you things in a way that causes you to, to seek him. That also can happen when you're praying for somebody. They might be wearing something or you might be praying for somebody and there's a sign right behind them that's highlighted. And it could be a word for what's happening. So pay attention to those things. Um, God can speak through people or prophecies. So this is like prophetic utterance or the gift of prophecy when we prophesy over each other and um, and things like that. Uh, he can even speak through your enemies. There's examples of that in scripture. Most notably for me is, uh, is the story where King David is being cursed by this guy and one of his mighty men goes over to cut his head off because you don't curse a king. And David says, stop, maybe this is God. So there's, God can even speak through your enemies and it's about, can you hear? Can you hear? Is there any truth in it? Can you see, can you listen past the spirit of the accusation or whatever and see, okay, God, are you speaking? Are you trying to correct something in my life? Uh, he can speak through journaling. So sometimes God's spoken to me this way in, in past seasons where he would just say journal and I'd start to journal. And as I journal, I'd literally just write questions and he would give me the answers and I'd keep journaling. Uh, he speaks through angels. So we see this in the New Testament. Uh, in Acts 10 with Cornelius, it's an example of that where an angel appears to a Gentile, a non-believer at that point, um, to tell to, to speak to him and tell him to look for Peter. Um, so he speaks through angels. He speaks through signs and wonders. So this can be all kinds of things. Signs and wonders are anything that points to God and makes you wonder. It's, it's pretty simple. So it could be the weather. It could be writing on the wall. Um, it could be numbers or clocks. You might be seeing something on the clock or seeing a number repeating or something like that. Um, at our church back in the day in Columbus, we literally had at one at one point we had this evangelist speaking, and he said, "He said God and God says it's time or something like that. The time is now." And when he did, the clocks on the walls literally started spinning, um, and everyone saw it. It wasn't like a vision; it was like literally happening. And the clocks were spinning on the walls, and um, 
He can speak through music, movies, stories, culture. They don't even have to be Christian. It doesn't have to be left behind. Like, he can speak through things all around us. You could hear a song on the radio. I'll, I'll tell the story real quick because I, I want to hurry. Um, I was, one time I had a decision to make that was going to kind of move me out of some things that God had, I felt like God had called me to and that really like were like my things into something that would potentially make me more famous in the Christian world. And I was leaning towards that because it seemed like the right next move, even though it was leading me away from some of the things that were like my core beliefs. And uh, I, I was not hearing God. I was so frustrated. I needed a quick answer. And I finally just turned on the radio and I have the tiger from like Rocky was on. And there was a line and I was just, it was just kind of playing it. But the, this line came up where it says, um, it says, uh, don't trade your passion for glory. And when I heard that, I felt God. And I was like, oh, I was about to trade my passion for glory. And that's not okay. And uh, God corrected me through the radio. And so the key is, he's always speaking. He's extremely creative. He, he, the first the first description he gives of himself or the first revealing of him is as creator. Um, so he's creative. He's creative in even how he speaks. And as much as we're willing to listen, he's willing to speak. Uh, but it's like a radio station for those who remember those. Um, but you got to tune into the right frequency. So sometimes you're on one frequency or one station and he's on another one. And so sometimes we're waiting for him to speak on one thing. And he's like, I don't even want to talk about that. Let's, let's speak on this. Um, so it's important that we tune in and we see, okay, God, what, how are you speaking? I'll also say this. He speaks in a way that draws you close to him. And so people a lot of times are frustrated with like, why does he speak in a still small voice? Why does he, why isn't he loud? Why isn't God being like really blunt with me? Like, just, just tell me God, like make it clear it's you. But the thing is, he speaks to us in a way that draws him close to draws us close to him. When somebody whispers, you lean in. When somebody's talking, like, when they're a quiet talker, like on Seinfeld, um, you lean in because you're trying to hear, like, what are you saying? Well, he wants us close to him. So he speaks in a way that makes us draw closer to hear him better. Hopefully, hopefully you guys catch that. Uh, Proverbs 25.2 says, It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to seek it out. So it's the glory of God to hide things. And it's the glory of kings, the glory of kings to seek it out. And we've talked about in the vision message and stuff, and we'll get into this more of this next year, but we are kings, we are a royal priesthood, and it is part of our royal identity to seek out the things that he's hidden for us. So he's not hiding things from us. It's like divine Easter eggs that he's hidden for us, for us to go after. Seeking looks like, uh, Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Seeking, um, seeking is like hide and seek. When I hide from my daughter at our old house in Snohomish, we had these big curtains, and I'd hide behind the curtains with my feet sticking out, so it was obvious where I was at. She'd still go running through the house looking for me and run past me a couple times, and I'd, I'd like cough or laugh, start giggling, and then she'd be like, oh, I found you. That's God. Like, he's not hiding from you. He's hiding for you to find him because there's more, there's, there's more relationship. There's, there's fun uh, to be had when we find him and engage with him. Could you grab me another water? Um, discerning his voice. So this is really, this is really important. 
there's four possibilities when you hear something. There's four possibilities that it could be coming from. There's obviously your thoughts. So it could be your imagination, something you're just thinking about, your brain processing information. It could be his voice. It could be God speaking to you. It could be the enemy. So it could be demonic. Or it could be the atmosphere. This is one that no one really talks about. So you can... Um, you could be picking up on things around you, almost like chatter of things around you, of, of things in the atmosphere, in the second heaven, like things around people. And it's the reason why you can enter a, a room and feel angry and be like, I'm not angry, why do I feel this? Or you could enter a city, you know, you drive downtown and you feel a depression, you know, or you feel sad. And it's like, why do I feel like this? Um, that's atmospheric stuff. And so sometimes we're, we're picking up on stuff and one of the ways that we hear God's voice out of the list that I named and there's more ways that he speaks than that. But you might pick, be picking up something out of that and think, oh, this is God or, oh, this is demonic and maybe it's actually just people. Maybe it's actually just stuff around you. Maybe you're, you're discerning the spiritual atmosphere. I'll get more into that another time. Um, both the enemy and God can give you their thoughts. And so the demonic, the way the demonic works is they whisper, they, they give you their thoughts. They, they whisper things to you. A thought pops in your head. You now have the ability to give them power by adding your faith to it. So you can believe it and add your faith to it. And that thought, will now, they'll now have the power to accomplish what they just got you to partner with. Well, God does the same thing. God gives us, gives us a thought, and now we have the opportunity to partner with him in our faith and, and make what he's speaking possible. I think sometimes we, we just hear God says things, or even the prophetic and things like that. We get prophetic words, and we're like, well, if it's God, it'll happen. Well, that's not actually true. If it's, if it's God, align your faith with it, and then it will happen. But we must discern. We must discern who it is. And discernment comes through intimacy with Holy Spirit, knowing the Bible, which helps us cut between, like we talked about in Hebrews. It cuts between what is spirit and what's our soul. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotion, so it helps separate. This is the spirit, and this is us. So intimacy with Holy Spirit, knowing the Bible, and renewing our minds. That's where, that's where you get discernment. Second Corinthians 10.3 says, for, for though we walk, with, we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but, of, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when you're when your obedience is complete. So we destroy every argument and lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. When you take something captive, it's like you arrest it. So it's like it, if, if the thought that comes in your head, you got to discern it, and the thought, the vision, the dream, the whatever, the impression, you then have to discern, who is this from? And as you discern that, and if you discern it's the enemy, you must arrest that thought, that thing, 
um, and, and discard it. That's not for you. So I'm going to give you guys a list. You don't have to write all this down. I can, I can send this to you guys or post it or something. Um, so this is God's voice versus Satan's voice. I pulled this off of something forever ago, and there's lots of memes going around with this. You'll see every once in a while. But it's actually really helpful. So it's God's voice versus Satan's voice. So God's voice stills you. Satan's voice rushes you. God's voice leads you. Satan's voice pushes you. God's voice reassures you. Satan's voice frightens you. God's voice enlightens you. Satan's voice confuses you. God's voice encourages you. Satan's voice discourages you. God's voice comforts you. Satan's voice worries you. God's voice convicts you. Satan's voice condemns you. So sometimes, sometimes it's not as clear, you know, sometimes you're trying to discern and it's like, man, this could go either way, you know, because some, some things that you're, you're leaning towards aren't blatantly bad things. It's not like one's sinful and one's God. It's that, that simple. Sometimes it's like, you're just trying to make a simple life decision and both decisions can be good and you want to hear God on it. Sometimes God is trusting you uh, and saying, hey, Make a step. I've built maturity in you. I've grown you. And I'm with you. And he's allowing you to use wisdom and make a decision. Other times, you need to pay, you, you're going to... Um, there actually is a right way. You know, it's just like discerning that. Like, what are you doing in this, God? And so then you need confirmation. And so God conf- confirms by three primary things. I'm sure there's other ways he confirms. But number one is by his word. So by scripture. Um, number two is by wise counsel. So this is like people who both know God, but also know you. Like there's only so much wise counsel you can get from somebody that you can give them your side of the story. And, and they're, they don't have all the facts. They don't know you. They don't know how you deal with stress. They don't know, uh, your weaknesses. They don't know your strengths. Um, and so true wise counsel comes from people that both know God and know you. And then by his character. So you look at the character of God, and the more you know him, this is where faith, faith is relational. You need relationship with Holy Spirit, and you, you can begin to see, is there peace on this? Is God in this? Like, do I recognize elements of him in this decision I'm making? And so, just like the, the first one of the list of God versus Satan, the first one is his, God's voice stills you. Satan's voice rushes you. Uh, we've all been in a position where we feel rushed or pushed, anxious to make a certain decision. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's the right decision. And even if it was the right decision, you never want to make a decision on that place. So it's always better to step back and be like, God, where's your peace? I need peace in this situation. Is that making sense so far? good okay um so let's talk about real quick how to mature in hearing god's and hearing his voice and this will be up on the podcast and stuff um 
so you guys can go back and listen if you need to. So you need to practice this. I know that, you know, probably everyone in here knows most of these things I'm saying. But the problem is if you don't practice, if you don't actually go through and build a history with God, you're always going to be in the place where it's like trying to apply basic principles, but you don't have enough history to, to point back to or to successes to point back to. Um, so you need a history in hearing God's voice. You need, you need to grow in history, which will grow you in confidence as you know him more. You'll recognize his voice more. You'll recognize the way he speaks to you. You'll recognize um, in 2023, we're, gonna, we're working with Mercy Culture to be able to do uh, for everyone, like how you encounter God personally. And so we'll talk about that more later. But everyone encounters God differently. So you learning how you encounter God. How do you hear him well? Um, all those things are important because you need a history. You don't just jump to like, um, well, there's times that God does this, but they're the exception, not the rule. You don't, you don't just jump to God spoke to me about who I'm going to marry or I'm supposed to just go and do this major life thing um, without having like the small, just learn to hear God in the small things, building up history with him. Once again, there's times he will do that. Um, but more times than not, I've seen people go from not having any relationship with God to, and they don't build that, they don't have intimacy with him to all of a sudden like, God told me exactly what I wanted to hear. And then they go and do it and it doesn't go well. Um, so build relationship in the small things, ask for that confirmation and, um, and keep seeking him. So there are hindrances to hearing him. Um, Hindrances can be, you know, being out of alignment with him, which we've talked before about righteousness, like righteousness is right alignment, like Amos 3, 3, how can two walk together if they can't agree to meet? It's, it's about, we want to walk together with him. Um, so that is solved in a moment. It's not like you have to go and, and beg for forgiveness. Um, you just repent. God, I'm sorry. Help, help align me. I want you. Get on your face. Pursue him. Hunger, thirst after righteousness. You will be filled. Um, Lack of peace. So lack of peace can be a hindrance. Fear can be a hindrance to hearing his voice. When I was in that ambulance, I've got fear. I've got lack of peace. And so then I have to, I have to then focus in on the one I know. I know Holy Spirit. I have a relationship with Holy Spirit. So I have to be able to, to focus in and pull from that place and connect with him, even in the midst of the other things. If you're overwhelmed, it's very difficult to do that sometimes unless you've actually built a daily relationship with him. Um, so most people want to go after the things of God in a time of crisis. Uh, I've had so many people, because they know of me seeing somebody raised from the dead, um, they always want to call me when somebody dies and be like, what do I do? I've, had that, I've gotten that call at least three times, three different times of people being like, what do I do in this moment? And I love their heart. I love their heart to want to see that. They should still go after it. It doesn't mean you don't go after it. Um, the time to try to have the faith for a miracle is not when you need it. Like, the time to have faith is in your day-to-day -day life so that when that moment comes, like in the moment with Sophia, or, you know, even when Aiden choked um, a couple weeks ago, or whenever that was, um, I told her, I had this, like, in my heart, I knew whichever way this goes, whether we do the Heimlich and he spits the food out and he's fine, or he dies right here. I knew we, I knew he was gonna be okay either way. Like in my heart, I just knew that. I was like, I I know that I know that we'd raise him from the dead. Like I actually, I just I knew it. Um, 
that comes from knowing God. That comes from a relationship with God where I've seen him, I've seen, I've seen him help me conquer the lion and the bear. So a Goliath doesn't seem very big. Does that make sense? And so you want to build this relationship. You want to build, um, you want to build the history so that when you have a moment where there's peace or when, when you feel like you're without peace or, or fear is surrounding you or overwhelming you, you can push past that, which is what courage is. Um, another hindrance, strife or offense with others. So if you've got offense with others, there's a lot of times you won't hear God properly because you're actually, um, you're part of the body. And so if you're in strife with other people in the body, that's actually like an autoimmune disease. It's the body attacking itself. And so God wants you to deal with that before he's going to give you more direction. Competition or comparison with others. Not being in the word. I'll give you guys this warning. Um, God will stop speaking to you every other way until you get back in the word. Uh, he, it's essential that we read scripture. So he will do that. And it's, it's, it stinks when he does that, but he will do that to draw you back into his word again. Unforgiveness and disobedience. Those are other hindrances. So... Um, how do we get back into a place of peace and hearing, prayer, fasting, praying in the spirit, worship, um, casting your cares on him. And that means like really casting them on him. Not like if you get into prayer and you're uh, just complaining and then you leave just as as weighed, weighed down by all that stuff, you haven't actually cast your cares on him. So it's OK to be weighed down by something. Take it to him and and release it to him. And then from that place, try to hear um, Repent if there's anything you know of or he's highlighting something. You don't have to go like on some inner journey trying to find whatever. But if you know of something or he's saying, hey, let's deal with this thing over here, repent of those things and then, and then realign. Um, and then uh, listen silently, journal, walk, whatever the thing is, like the way you encounter God best or whatever the thing, um, you know, go through. You, you should have like several different ways that you, you primarily hear him and just go through those ways. Take the time. Get out, get out in nature. Do something different um, and look for him. Not that he's run from you, but that's part of that seeking thing is like maybe, maybe he, it, this is actually an invitation. Like I think a lot of times we, we look at these things and we look at them from an orphan mindset instead of the fact that we have a good father. So we're like, he's not speaking. What's going on? And a lot of times it's easier to get in this like, well, something must be wrong. I must have did something wrong. I must be awful. He doesn't love me anymore. Like, it's easy to move into that place. But it could be he's actually inviting you on a journey. And like a little kid, if, if Sophia knows I'm in the other room or Aiden knows I'm in their other room and I'm like talking to them and then I stop, they come looking. They come like waddling over and like, what's, you know, Aiden comes around like over, like looking. Like that's how kids react. Um, but for some reason, we, we, we lose our childlikeness and we get to this place and we're like, okay, God must be mad at us. Does that all make sense? It's good. Make, I know I'm going quick. Okay. So let's talk about something else that no one likes, but is reality. Um, the testing of the word. So in Matthew 13, starting in verse 28, or starting in verse 18, sorry. Um, it says, hear then the parable of the sower. So this is like Jesus had told this parable of the sower. The disciples were like, what the heck does that mean? And Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to explain it to you. When anyone hears the word of God and does not understand it, 
the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in their heart. This is what this is what was sown along the path. So it talks about the seed sown along the path. And he's saying that's that anyone who hears the word of the kingdom does not understand it. The evil one comes and snatches the seed away. It snatches away what was sown into their heart. We've all experienced people like this. They have they experience something of God and it just seems like it disappeared, like nothing happened. Verse 20, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. We've also seen this. The people are like, yes, this is awesome. Um, excited about Jesus. It says, yet he has no root in himself. So it hasn't actually rooted into their heart. It's just along the surface. And he endures for a while. Typically these people, these are, a lot of times we see this with people who are like newly saved and they're excited, and they're like all about the things of Jesus. And it says, uh, he endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So the second things get real, they're done. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the, uh, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and proves it unfruitful. So the, among thorns, they hear the word. So they actually hear it. They actually hear what God's saying. But then it gets choked out by the cares of this world. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So we can take this with everything that God speaks to us. Everything that God speaks to us, we get to determine what kind of path, that, uh, what kind of soil, whether it's rocky. We get to determine the state of our heart by how we, how we take care of our, our relationship with him, how we tend to, tend to the garden of our heart. Um, we can decide to be good soil by how we live our lives, by what we believe. And depending on where we allow ourselves to be depends on what will happen when he speaks so there's a lot of people who God is speaking amazing things to and some even receive it joyfully in the moment like this is amazing and a week goes by and they don't even believe what they heard or what they experienced and so we it's easy to think about other people now apply it to yourself like it's so easy to be in that place that we allow the enemy or we allow the cares of this world and, and that's, that's, that's a, that phrase can make you think of a lot of things. But just think about this. You get, almost every time I've gotten a word, this happened to us in 2021, we got words about crazy financial blessing that was coming. And, and some of them even had dates on them. <laughs> and it was like, all this is about to change for you. And we went into the worst financial place we've ever been in. Like, almost immediately. And it just kept getting worse. And by 2022, that's why when God's like, okay, buy a house. We're like, we just went through hell. And we're in the worst financial place. Like, why didn't you tell us this, like, a couple years ago? That would have been nice. Um, and the cares of this world almost stole that from us. It would have been really easy to look at our situation, look at our bills, look at what seems wise in our own eyes. And make a decision for God. 
But because God was speaking it, we said yes. And in that, our debt gets paid off. And all the other money comes. And we get our down payment for our house. And we get the money. You know, everything we needed came in um, just much later than what we wanted. <laughs> and so the enemy... And, and there's persecution that comes comes to the word. I don't think that God was like, hey, now I'm going to make your finances just go down the toilet. I think what happened was God spoke that and the enemy's like, oh, I'm going to do everything I can to steal that word. The enemy comes and attacks and tries to steal, kill, destroy. And in that place, we have a decision. Do we, do we give in? Do we just think, oh, wow, you know, those, weren't, those words weren't from God. Do we abort what God was trying to do? Or do we hold on? Do we hold on to the seeds? Do we tend to the garden of our heart and make sure that we're watering that with the word, the washing of the word, that we're actually watering that seed in our heart, that we're, we're meditating on the character of God? And thankfully, not saying we did it perfect, but, you know, because a lot of times it's by the day. And, you know, like one day you're, you're feeling like, this is amazing, it's going to happen. We've got all the faith in the world. The next day it's like, what the heck are we doing? Like, is God ever, where is he? Does he, is he even around anymore? Did he abandon us? Like, um, and, and it's not wrong to have those feelings. What's wrong is to camp there. What's wrong is to be led by that. And you have to get back to that place of going, God, I trust you. I trust you. And I'm going to stay in trust with you. So Luke 3, um, and I'm going to close with this, with this little section. We're going to read Luke 3 and Matthew 4. Luke 3, it says, Now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus had been baptized and, and praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. So what I'm about to share with you is what I believe is a pattern of how things work in the Spirit. Um, this is how season, seasons work in our lives. And um, I've, I wish more people would talk about this. I've never heard anybody teach on this. Um, but this is, this is something I live out of because I recognize this process. And so really grasp a hold of what I'm saying. So, so Jesus, Jesus spends 30 years of his life... Uh, not stepping into the bigger, the bigger, what we would recognize as the bigger call of his life, which is his ministry. Um, in that time, Jesus, the one who knew he was going to raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, he knew all the things he was going to do. Um, most likely, theologians believe his father died, because if you notice, Joseph disappears out of scripture. So the man, like knowing he's going to raise the dead, his own father, his earthly father dies, and he can't do anything about it. Think about all of the poor, the orphans, the widows, all the people that he had such compassion on. It's not that he didn't have compassion before that. It's that he was trusting God with the timing. So at this point, he had done nothing. And yet, God was saying, you're my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. So I want to point this out. Faith that pleases the Father is faith that waits on the Father's timing. It's really easy to push into something just because you think... Um, because you want it, or even that he's spoken it. Jesus had all the prophecies of the entire written scripture up until that point. He had the whole Old Testament, all these prophecies about who he is. He knew those scriptures. He, he, he was teaching, when he was 12, he's teaching the teachers, you know, about the scriptures. So he knows what the perfect words over his life, and he waited 30 years holding on to those perfect words, but waiting for the Father to initiate them. So we, true faith is not giving up 
It's not that he gave up on the words either, because I put his, that's faith in the opposite direction. He held on to the words, but he trusted the Father's timing. And in that, God says, you're my beloved son. So he makes a public pronouncement, you're my beloved son. He speaks identity over him and says, in you I'm well pleased. Matthew 4, 1 through 12, it says, this is where Jesus, uh, th- this is Jesus quoting from our opening scripture in Deuteronomy 8. So Jesus actually quotes this back to Satan. So Matthew 4, 1 through 12, it says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit so that, into the wilderness. So the, the, the Holy Spirit, he goes from this public pronouncement, identity, public prophetic word, to the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. And oftentimes we think of this as desert, um, but don't think of it as desert and dry place. Think of it as wilderness, as isolation. Separate. He was being separated. So Holy Spirit separates him to go be in the wilderness and be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, so this is after he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And then the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, actually, Landon Schott, in his message, Landon Schott from Mercy Culture, he did a message on fasting today, which was really good. But he said this, he said, He was able to resist the temptation of the flesh because he had already spent 40 days submitting the flesh. That's incredible. He, had all, he was able to resist the temptation of the flesh because he had already spent 40 days submitting the flesh. Oftentimes, the reason we give in to temptation is because the temptation is something that gratifies the flesh and we have not yet submitted the flesh. If we live a lifestyle of submitting the flesh, it makes it much easier when the enemy comes to tempt us to say no. So, and then what is the temptation here? What is the, what is the enemy speaking to him? He says, if you're the son of God. So, we had public pronouncement. This is my son. God speaks publicly in front of people, audible voice from heaven. This is my son. 40 days go by in the wilderness. And then the enemy comes and he's like, if that's really true, then do this. So he's, he's tempting him to not believe what God said. This is the same thing that happened in the garden. So Jesus came as the second Adam because the first Adam went through the same temptation. And Jesus had to go through the temptation and, and surpass and, and pass the test. What did Adam do? They were told, if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. Well, they were already made in God's image and likeness. So they were already like God. And they, they didn't believe their own, their own identity. Then the, in verse 5, Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. So the devil is quoting back scripture at him. He says, He will command his angels concerning you. And... And now he quotes another scripture. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory. And he said to him, all these I'll give to you if you'll fall down and worship me. So now he's going to give Jesus, the king of kings, the one who all kingdoms are his anyways. He's saying, which he's, he's trying to get Jesus, if... if to not believe that. It's the same temptation. The enemy will often come and tempt you with something that's already yours. He'll tempt you to, to, uh, to bow to him 
so that you can have something that actually already belongs to you. So he offers Jesus all the kingdoms of the world just to worship him. And he says, he says back to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. And then the next section in verse 12 is called, Jesus Begins His Ministry. So this is why I want to draw out. The Father spoke identity over Jesus. It's a public pronouncement, prophetic word. Holy Spirit leads him into a season of submitting his flesh. Then the word is tested. He held on to the word and fed himself on the word. And then he was able to enter into his ministry. So how seasons work. If you can get this down, this will make your life so much easier. Um, and you'll be able to predict where things are going in a healthy way. Words and identity, number one, words and identity are spoken over you. So you'll go through seasons and get all kinds of prophetic words, or God will be speaking really super clearly and scripture's coming alive to you. And then it, out of nowhere, it seems like that all stops and you're led into a wilderness season. And once again, this doesn't mean dryness. This doesn't mean that God is no longer there. It doesn't mean God stops speaking to you. But it often means he's not um, building up your, uh, your identity and your, how amazing you're going to, all the things you're going to do. He's, he like stops that, typically. And he still is there. He still speaks to you daily. He still loves you. It's not dryness. He hasn't abandoned you. But he wants you to begin to feed on what he spoke. And he, he wants you to do something with what you've been given. And we begin to feed off of those words and feed off of what he's spoken over us. This is, where, this is where you become the person of the word. I think so many times we get prophetic words and we just want to instantly jump into it. But I can look back on my life over and over again and recognize if I would have stepped into that any sooner, I would have destroyed myself and I would have hurt other people. And God often, out of his mercy, will withhold from you something that he's spoken to you and actually wants for your life because you're not willing to submit and go through the process of becoming the person that can walk in the word he's called you to. Does that make any sense? So it's in that wilderness season um, and, and sometimes multiple wilderness seasons that he begins to form who you are and build your character and get you to the place that you can stand in what he's spoken. This is, that's one of the biggest reasons people don't see their prophetic words manifest and people will have words for 30 years and be like, I never stepped into this and I don't know why. It's because, it's because they were holding on to who they are and, and wouldn't die. They need that their flesh needed to die, their will needed to die, and God wanted to work on them and prepare them to carry what He had for them. Number three, uh, the enemy tempts us to not believe what God has spoken, or He tries to steal it from us. So that's the thing that always comes. We go from tons of words, identity, all this stuff. We feel amazing. We feel like we could run through a wall to. Holy Spirit leads us into a wilderness season of you have to hold on and see, like, do I actually believe these words? Am I willing to become the person? Am I willing to submit the flesh and become the person that can walk in this? And then the enemy comes and he does everything he can to try to get you to not believe the word and to, uh, to steal it from you. And then number four, you step into the fruitfulness of the word. I've seen that play over and over and over again. And so this is actually, 
as I was working on this today, and this is almost identical to what I, I should, not identical, but really similar to what I shared in the ministry school. But as I was, I was going through this, I realized, I was like, this is actually a prophetic word for this community. This is actually what's going on right now. Is as a church, when we first started in uh, October, before we started, um, Peter and I went to Bethel, and it was like prophetic word overload. Like I literally got back. We received so many prophetic words and so much like it felt like we were going to change the world yesterday, you know, and um, and I remember getting back and people being like, how was it? What did God do? And all this. And I was like, I can't even mentally like I haven't even mentally processed these words. Um, it was just so much. It actually felt like too much. And I remember while we were there, Bill Johnson shared this thing about, you know, you have seasons where sometimes God will give you just enough to get you by day to day. And then you have other seasons where he like loads you up and then says like, hey, I'm doing this because you're going to have to survive off this for a while. And hearing that, I, in the, even there, I was like, I'm really hoping that's not true, but I feel like that's where we're at. It's like, this feels like it's going to be amazing and then it's just going to be a, a really wilderness season for a while. Um, and I, but I feel like that's where we're at. I, I feel like we're in this place where God overloaded us with words. And he's like, will you hold on to this and contend for this as a community? Believe what I'm speaking. Uh, you know, Alyssa sent out on a, a text feed today. Um, Don't despise the day of small beginnings. And, um, and like, that's just true. Like, God's like, will you hold on to this? And then will you believe that I'm actually going to do what I said? And uh, the enemy has done everything he can to get us to not believe that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I'm not saying that we've held on perfectly. I know we've both, her and I both had days, I'm sure Peter and Sierra have too, like where we're like, I'm ready to be done. You know, like I kind of wish, wish we didn't do this. Um, but I can tell you we're not going to stop because God's in this and we're holding on to what God said. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to ask God three questions. So you might want to get something to write with and put this in your phone or something like that. But this is how we're closing this out. Okay, so we're going to ask him three questions, personal questions, and you guys have heard how God speaks. You probably, like, we know you've heard God before. You might even recognize how he typically speaks to you. Um, so whatever that is, if you need to sit here, you can sit here. If you hear God better moving around, then move around. It won't land your face. If you want to, you know, you might get a vision. You might have a knowing. Um, I'd encourage you, though, whatever you get, write it down. And... Uh, you can talk to us if you want to work through, like, is this God or anything like that. I'm willing to do that with you. Um, so first one, we're going to ask, and just write these down, and then, then we'll take five minutes and do this. So the first one is, what word describes my current season and why? What word describes my current season and why? Number two, what are you asking me to lay down in this season? What are you asking me to lay down in this season? This gets down to God is trying to form something in you. So that, that doesn't necessarily mean sin. God might ask you to lay down something that is a good thing that he's not upset about. But for this season, it's not for you. So just whatever he says, listen to that. What are you asking me to lay down this season? 
Number three, how can I co-labor or partner with you in this season? So whichever word works better for you, you don't have to write both, but maybe partner is easier for a lot of people. How can I partner with you in this season? So he wants to do something in your, in, in your life, in this season, in this segment of your life. How can I partner with you? Thanks for listening to this episode of The Fire Podcast with Ryan Rhodes. Fire Movement has a mission to bring people face-to-face with the real Jesus. If you love this show and ministry, please consider subscribing, leaving a five-star rating, and most importantly, sharing the podcast with others on social media. Also, would you please consider one-time or monthly support to help us sustain and grow this show so that others can be stirred to hunger for more of the real Jesus? You can do so by going to firemovement.com support. Thank you.